and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Things are very, very rosy in the Sunland Garden at the moment, and we'll be looking to make it four wins from five, I believe, when we welcome the boys from Swansea City this Saturday as the Welsh side become the Stadium Alight's first foot, I believe. Um, as always, we're here to get the lowdown on exactly what we can expect, and I'm absolutely delighted to say we're rejoined by Luke from the Swans podcast and um, the Swans cast, sorry, for his yeah. second podcast appearance of the season. Luke, how are you, my good sir? Are you well? Yeah, very good. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me back on. It's, um, enjoyed the last one and hopefully, uh, you know, Swans won last time. So hopefully we can have a little bit of a chat and it ends well for me, but I'm not quite so sure this time. I was going to say, it's getting a bit too regular. Isn't it? People are going to start speaking soon, mate. Um, I did say Swansea <laughs> cast, by the way. It's Swans cast. I just got so used to saying Swans Swansea. cast. Yeah, yeah. Swans cast. I kept Swans saying cast. Swans cast. It was just fine. And surely, if you type both in, I'm sure it will come up. So there is something kicking about. I'm sure. But just to clarify, definitely Swans yeah. cast. Um, right. We'll start off obviously with the most recent news surrounding Swansea. Normally, we'll go into current form, but let's do something a bit different. Um, looking at the headlines, January transfer window. Obviously, we are in it. You're heavily linked with the move for Joe Geltart, which we've been credited for link with, and Michael Oberfemi has been linked with the move away to Burnley. What are your thoughts on the, the latest transfer rumours regarding Swansea and, and what's to be believed and what's not to be believed? Oh, it's very difficult to put a, put a finger on where we are at the moment. It's um, very quiet from the club. So we haven't spent a lot of money in recent time. We know there's not that much there. Summer was a bit hit and miss, um, perhaps didn't get what we needed. So going into January, I don't really know what we got available in terms of to strengthen. There's been a couple of recalls in regards to loans leaving us, and we've recalled one ourselves. Uh, Morgan Whitaker's come back. Oberfem, you were right to highlight. Bit of drama there. I'm not really sure what's going on. There was obviously interest from Burnley in the summer. Bit of a drama situation where he didn't play for a couple of weeks. Came back into the team. Um, World Cup happened. I haven't come back since the World Cup. So I don't know why. Like, there's not really a concrete answer, but Russell Martin has basically said he's not reaching his expectations. That's all we've had, really. I think you put two and two together and think there's a continuation of the summer transfer saga there. So if it's going to happen again, for me, like, you just got to let him go. And you, this can't happen. Every transfer window is disruptive to the team. Um, maybe our current form that we might get on to discuss is uh, representative of some of these problems because we're having pretty much the same thing with Jamie Patterson. Um, we had an issue with him last January with West Brom coming in for him. Didn't play all, all transfer window, then came back into the team, never the same player. And now all of a sudden he's missing an action again. So <clears throat> these players, I don't know, better without them, I think. In terms of incomings, I know we've been linked with a couple of loans. Like you said, that guy you're, you're interested in as well. But I can't tell you how how competitive we will be against you for the signature because we always get linked with a bunch of bunch of kids on loan and perhaps like one or two out of like ten or twenty come off. So um there's nothing for me to say is in the pipeline. I'm quite actually underwhelmed with the lack of activity so far. It's a little bit concerning. So Talking about things that are underwhelming. The Cup was great this weekend, but um <laughs> as much as we had an exciting end, we both had Fairly boring draws. Um, you played Bristol City away. You drew one-one. Our former player barely remember that he played for us. To be fair, but Antoine Semenyo equalised late on for Bristol City. Um, I don't think anyone ever wants to play the team in the same division as them away at home in the FA Cup early doors. But were there any takeouts on the performance, or was it one of those kind of you kind of half fell asleep and didn't care about it that much? 
we kind of controlled the first half. Um, it was a good, good controlled performance, but we didn't really do anything spectacular, create many opportunities. Or I say opportunities, we had some opportunities, we just didn't want to shoot. So if you look at the stats, it looks like we didn't do much. We got into some good positions where the players were like waiting for that perfect pass it into the back of the net moment rather than having a pop where it's a reasonable opportunity. Um, and the goal that we actually scored was very much like goals we tend to concede where they made a mistake or their centre-back basically passed it to one of our players in the box and he was like, oh, okay, I'll just pass it to our striker who's got a tap in. Um, so we didn't earn the goal at all. Okay, we didn't deserve didn't deserve to go 1-0 up by creating loads of chances, right? Um, but we did control then the game, I would say, the first half, definitely. Second half, very underwhelming. Um, a little bit like they started off well, we came back into it and then they had a little bit of a foothold out of nowhere. I think our midfield started to tire a bit because we've been starting Grimes, Allen and Fulton, who are our three centre midfield players. There's not really another one that does the same job. The problem is when you reach 60 minutes and they're all kind of starting to get a bit leggy, especially Joe Allen with his age, you've got no one to bring on that does that same job. So you've lost the midfield and it's happened a couple of games now. Um, bringing on in Chairman, um, Kundal, I think, came on. They just don't do the same job. So teams, I think, feel if they can hold out so later on, maybe they can have the impetus in the end of the game. And that definitely is what happened. So Bristol got the goal. Uh, we didn't look like necessarily going back ahead. And there's a replay, which I don't think either team really wanted. So a bit dull in the end. Yeah, as the FA Cup sometimes can be. Ours was a little bit better because we scored two late on, which was nice. But I think ultimately when you get drawn against the side in the same division, it can be a bit of a slog. So I kind of get it. But I was trying to look at Swansea's form and I've got to be honest, I've done that thing, which I find really frustrating from a podcast perspective, where I can't really judge you. Um, you've lost three of the last five. You've won only one, I think. However, in that run, you've lost narrowly to uh, Burnley and Norwich. Fair enough. And Reading, not fair enough. Coincidentally, you've smashed Watford 4-0 and you've drew 3-3 with Coventry after being 3-0 down with 20 minutes to go. I'm not going to try and sum that up. So I'm going to ask you to, could you sum up the form since you've returned from the break a little bit? Because that's a bit mental, isn't it? It's I I I don't know what's what's going on. Um, obviously the issues with some of the players I think has contributed to certain things. We've changed our system last couple of games, so we've seemed to have ditched the wing backs, gone to a four. Um, and if I refer back to the Bristol City game, I'm part of me because I went to the match actually. Part of me is wondering if he was using that to try and experiment with some ideas. Um, in that match, which which were quite apparent, and what we saw with the players and what they were doing on the pitch is something I've not seen before. But that's another conversation. Um. The form, very indifferent. Uh, was not expecting to thump Watford 4-0. But again, I think we went to four of the back in that game and it clicked and it just worked and they just could not deal with um, with the attacking threat, which is weird because I think we have struggled. We scored a decent amount of goals, but not loads from our strikers. Uh, we have struggled with like being clinical. Again, Bristol first half. Um then we go put four against a team like Watford. Yeah, it really doesn't make sense. And then yeah, the, the previous match losing to Reading, which that that's the that's a typical Swansea game from this season. That Reading game, you say like maybe we shouldn't have done that, and it probably is correct. Two early goals conceded, and then we always on the back foot coming back. If you look at the stats, I think we've had the most goals, eighty minute plus in the league. We've had the most points from a losing position in the league, and that's exactly why for games like that. That's a game that could have ended two all. Like the commentary one that you mentioned as well. So three three. How do you go three nil down and decide you're going to turn up? You know, just I don't know. I, I it's good the fact I guess they buy into the system and they keep trying till the end. 
But we just seem to keep letting ourselves down at the start of the game where we put ourselves on this back foot. And I think our league position is representative of that as well. We're just making life hard for ourselves and have done it all season. And it's probably costing us a really competitive playoff battle, I would say. Talking of obviously making it difficult for ourselves, let's go back to the the 2-1 defeat or the 2-1 win for yourselves in October. It does feel like forever ago because we had no strikers and it felt like that was kind of the time when we were like, oh God, we need strikers because I think we've got seven games in at that point. But I remember you having a really outstanding first half. <clears throat> obviously, we pulled it back a little bit in the second. Um, obviously, it's hard to judge and no game's ever the same. But but what did you make of the game at the time and, and which Sunderland players kind of stood out for you most on that particular day? Um yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, that's, that's some time ago. There's a lot, a lot of football being played since then. But from what I can remember, I think Jack Clark had a pretty good game. I know he got the goal as well, didn't he? Um, I think before when we spoke, he was one of the ones I highlighted as one to watch. Um, it's it's difficult to judge your forwards because they're not the typical guys that would normally play there, would they? In that game, as you mentioned. Yeah, correct. Um, and as you said, we had a we we had a really strong first half, and then you came back into it. But like that, that's just that sums our season up in. When it clicks, we play fantastic football. We're really hard to play against. And then all of a sudden, it can just go. Or you get back into the game all of a sudden out of nowhere. And we can't seem to find that rhythm again or get the control back or whatever it is. So um, getting stuck in, perhaps, maybe in the midfield and, and, and roughing us up a bit, perhaps, is what does it. But yeah, definitely Jack Clark. I think your left-hand side in general, so the left-back too, just I think they were causing us some problems. Um I think I might have mentioned in the podcast like Joe Latipodi on a right wing back at the time and right wing right back if he plays um, this weekend probably. He's, he's a centre back playing in that position converted into a right back. He's not a right back. He works hard but we need a right back. Um, can't criticise the guy because he's doing a job for the manager being asked to do it so I feel harsh criticising him. But we need to be like successful and proper push up the league. You know, that's something that you can't really do. And I think teams, if you can exploit that square peg in round hole, which it is, um, he's definitely one to be targeting. So yeah, your left hand side there worked really well for you. I think going back to the game as well, I remember coming off the back of it and we spoke about it sort of off air just before we came on. Um, I remember thinking that Swansea were one of the better sides we've come up against. Now, some of the fans listening to this will understand what I mean. No sides massively overpowered us or made us feel um, inferior to this league, which we probably half expected when we came in. But if there was maybe 45 minutes or 60 minute performances, I could pick out Burnley in the second half. We went 2-0 up. They then beat us 4-2. So they did all right in the second half, shall we say. And your first half was, you know, up there with, we thought, you know, they passed the ball well, they scored two goals. We don't look in the game here. Um, so you were one of the better sides we came up against. And I remember specifically thinking, you know, you'd probably, in my opinion, based on the teams I'd seen and kind of the stature of the club and where you'd been recently, being the playoffs come season end. What surprised me the most was that even though I knew you'd had a bit of rocky form, um, you went to the game in 15th. Um, yeah. How were Swansea fans feeling about the season at, at the time of speaking? I know it's a tight league, but how are you feeling about the position and, and kind of recent form? It's uh, I feel like it's a missed opportunity, but like it's hard to know where to point the finger because I don't think we have the depth in the squad really to maintain the playing style we want to play, which you've obviously just credited as it does work sometimes and it looks good and they got the control there sometimes. And Vincent Company actually said after the Burnley game, the two one defeat, that um no team in the league manipulates the ball as well as what we do. 
really complimentary of our style, but we lost the game. So there's so many managers that have come out and said, like Swansea play the best football in the league, hardest team to play against in the league. But how many of these, we're not winning all of these games. We're not, you know, we're down in 15th, as you said. So something's just not quite there. And yeah, I I, I don't know what it is. A lot of people do criticise the manager. They think he's not quite getting it right. But a lot of it is working. It's just, there's something, there's one last piece, I think, that's, it's not quite clicking all the time. We had a really bad start to the season. Say, say from where we are now, the start to where we are now, the middle part of the season, so just before the World Cup, really good run of form. Got ourselves up to, I think, maybe like third or fourth at one point, where we were one way up, one win off top of the league. Then we stopped winning, and now we're down in 15th, miles away from Burnley, like literally miles away. Three points it was, literally three points. So... You think at that point maybe it started working and we're going to start pushing on, but the wind's dried up quite quite significantly since then. But it's not as if the performance is necessarily really changed. It's just silly mistakes. We we do really often concede stupid goals um, and chasing games all the time, I guess. And, and our strike has not been as clinical as what we need, really, especially considering Joe Pro's form last season. That's not really quite clicked into gear for him this season so far. But um, for me, I'm quite happy to keep giving him time. He's clearly building something. He does need some more players. Whether it's on him that he's made some transfer mistakes could be the case. But you've got to remember, young manager, we are in the championship for a reason. He's in the championship for a reason. You've got to learn, make the mistakes together. But um, they're not all happy in 15th, I will be honest with that. Just got to remember, the gap is still quite small to the playoffs and one or two wins can change it. So there's still time to correct that. It's a really funny league in the sense that, like, I think we went fourth the other week and obviously we're all buzzing. We're still kind of buzzing, really, in eighth. Um, and I think Tony Mowbray came out and he says, yeah, but two defeats, you can drop to, like, 12th. And it, and it is that kind of league. And I think if you go on a bad run of form, I mean, look at Borough. They've gone on a bit of a good run of form since Carrick's come in and all of a sudden they've gone from being, like... And, and the same with West Brom. It's like this, this league is opening up a gap a little bit more than what it was. Maybe it's not as tight as it was at the start of the season, but it's still tight as that's ours at the end of the yeah. day. Um, <clears throat> so there is still things that can change massively. But Russell Martin, I think, is now in, officially in, I think, technically 18 months and nine days. I did this because I checked it on Google, to be precise, um, yeah. which is probably a fair amount of time to judge. Pretty manager. long for the championship as well. <laughs> he's, he's an absolute veteran at this point in the championship. Yeah. Um, it's probably enough time to make a solid judgment on style, management, recruitment, the rest of it. Although it's not enough time to probably make a definitive judgment. Obviously, you've given your thoughts on it a little bit, but you touched on that some of the fans are kind of pointing the finger a little bit at him. I think we obviously seen Russell Martin's MK Dons in in League One, and it's a style that he's going to stick with. He's brought Harry Darling to kind of be one of those players that implement it. Uh, he obviously scored against us. Russell Martin's not going to change as far as I can see from what he wants or what he believes is the right way to play football. And he played at Norwich for a long time. We have exactly a similar DNA. Um, but obviously that can get frustrating. Not everyone agrees with that style of football or people kind of are very results-based, um, especially as a fan base. Naturally, you are if you're winning. The style of football is always great, isn't it? Um, you've given a really balanced viewpoint, but I assume that not everyone has the same opinion as the people who are kind of like not certain on Rus- Russell Martin. And, and what's the percentage of people that are not too sure on him? It's difficult to say a percentage because I think a lot of the people that you see on social media, um, 
I feel like you see a lot more of the negative people just by default. That's why you, when you want to moan about something, you go online. But necessarily, when when you're quite content and you're okay, and you're just like, well, I wish we were doing better, but I'm not concerned. I'm not worried about the manager. You don't necessarily put that view out there. So I would say it's probably maybe like thirty percent. If I ask for a number on it, there is a good few people who, um, who like aren't happy with his style think it's a bit boring, think we're not scoring, I think we should be doing better, concede stupid goals. That's probably the biggest one. And I think everyone can get behind that. It's like the stupid goals. Because you can, for the first season, this new style of play, it is risky sometimes. When those mistakes happen, you can say, okay, they're still getting used to it. But when you're 18 months in, okay, how are you going to fix it now? Like, we need to stop this happening because that is what's costing us, you know, go back to the Reading game, two stupid goals. I think Wigan, we drew two all with Wigan, two stupid goals or two corners or something like that. Like, sort the set pieces out and you win that game 2 0. But because we didn't, we drew two all and we had to come from behind to do that. Um, it's just easy points. And and how tight the league is, we're what, four points off the playoffs. So, say, take that Wigan and Reading game, sort those two out. And that's just two games and you're in the playoffs. Um, and there's far more examples than that this season. And that's the frustration, frustrating thing. Uh, especially from the early days, we went through a period of like always conceding ninety-minute equalizers or losers or something for like periods of ten matches where it was like, can we actually hold on to a one-goal lead? Because nobody was confident because it was happening all the time where we were just bottle it. So um, a lot of frustrating things. That's what I mean. It's like the one piece of the jigsaw that just hasn't clicked yet. But I feel like if you're going to go for this sort of style, give a young manager the chance. And you're going to be this patient where you're 18 months into the project. And, you, you know, I feel like you deserve to continue that a bit longer. It's not like it's going absolutely awful. Like it's not going terribly. Um, and again, four points can easily overturn that by the summer if you want, if you really got it working. I think the, probably the big thing for Russell Martin is, and I know it's four or five games ago, but sometimes you see players sort of lose faith in the way that the team's playing, if they have a specific style. I mean, not necessarily just like the manager, you can just see the confidence is knocked in. I think you go back to that Coventry game, if you're not believing in the project, you're not going to pull three goals back. So that's probably, yeah. even though we're going back a little bit, it, it is obviously a huge positive. In terms of players that you're, I would look at, obviously I don't get to see anything outside of the highlights, give or take. You look at the stats and you look at the players that are really standing out. I think Joel Perot obviously is your top scorer, but for me, uh, Matt Grimes, six assists this season, seems to be obviously the key creator, if you do have one. And I think the yeah. creator in any team that plays possession-based football is obviously hugely important. Um, am I kind of on the money with those two names or is there other players yeah. we should be watching? <clears throat> I think Matt Grimes is the most underappreciated player in the squad. Uh, a lot of the fans are seeing it more now. There was a game earlier this season where he was suspended or something and he didn't play and everyone was like, oh my God, do we actually miss him? Something I've been saying on the podcast for like ever and a lot of people haven't seen it, but he literally runs our team. So um, if he's on the pitch, you just he just does everything, he ticks us over. But maybe you don't appreciate it all the time because it's kind of the stuff you do. And it's not the like glitz and glamour. He just tick, ticks us over, gets on with it. Everything goes through him from deep midfield and he keeps his ticket. That's his job. So um, one of the criticisms he has is sideways backwards passing, you know, that old cliche of a ticky-tack aside or whatever that... Oh, he only does his pass backwards sideways. But I got a stat that popped up after the Bristol game. Uh, so Matt Grimes has completed 282 line-breaking passes in the championship this season, which is more than any player in Europe's top five leagues. So that shows how important he is to us. And I think 
people just don't appreciate that he is really good in the middle of you know he does make a couple of errors sometimes but for the championship really quality midfielder and there's a reason why he's captain there's a reason why he literally starts every game plays 90 minutes for us week in week out so you're right to point him out as for Joel Perot um He's been quieter this season, but he is still our top goal scorer. Now, I talked about the experiment in Bristol, and this might be partly why it hasn't quite clicked for him this season, because he has been utilised not always as just a central forward striker this season, um, especially when Obafemi was in the team as well. Obafemi would generally play in the middle and Perot would be behind on the right. So for Bristol, we played two up top with Liam Cullen as the other striker. But when we were going forward, the strikers are peeling out to the, the wings, like the corner flags, if you like. They're peeling out wide. Which is weird because we didn't really have anyone running through the middle then. I, I I don't really know what was going on, but this is why we didn't have that many shots against Bristol. I think what Martin was trying to do was get the play out wide through the, the strikers, and as as we get an opportunity, maybe cross into the box, the other one peel into the back post sort of area. But it didn't quite click. But um, yeah, Perot he scored two against Watford. We thought maybe that would get a season underway. He did get a goal against Bristol, but like I said, bit of a tap in because they gave us the ball. Um, you can never rule him out. You know, if you give him a yard of space, he's, he could put it in the back of the net from outside the box, looking like with ease. Um, but we are still waiting for him to kind of turn up this season. And at the game on Saturday, obviously, um, I think I said to you off air, you know, we've got to run the games at home, which is always you've got to be more confident with. And the big thing with Sunderland is our home form wasn't that great, but we, I think we've won two of the last three. We beat Millwall 3-0, Blackburn 2-1 on Sky, and obviously lost to West Brom, but I think everyone's losing at West Brom. So obviously we're naturally quite confident going into the game on, on Saturday and we're playing good football. But but how does Swansea fans view it? Because I feel like last game that we played each other, due to our own form, we didn't have any strikers. You were in form. You were definitely, in my opinion, the favourites, and I don't think anyone was... No one likes losing, but we kind of understood that Swansea were a good team and an established championship side now that you know can turn us over and we had no strikers. Whereas I think this game, I don't I think it would be a bit of an annoyance if we got beat based on your form and, and our form, but you know, it is the championship. But yeah, are Swansea fans seeing this is a, a really difficult game, or is it an opportunity for points based on the fact that you know our run's got to come to an end at some point? I think Swansea fans quite often feel quite in the way what I see online. Um <clears throat> We like to think we just should beat everyone. Maybe it comes from the Premier League era, like we were there for a while, and you guys obviously were there for a while as well. But take take that away, like we're just looking at who we are playing. Um, they'll see it as as you guys came up last season, and we're going away. We haven't been in the best form. We need to put it right. So go and put it right to Sunderland. That's what they'll see it at like. Um, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful because I know it's a tough game. Not at all. Sometimes you think sometimes, you know, we had like seven, eight years in the Premier League, whatever it was. You do pick up some fans, I think, along that sort of journey that are only used to that sort of success. And then a lot of that gets aired online where you see like, well, now we're in championship, but we should be in the Premier League because that's where we were for seven years when I started supporting. So why are we not beating Sunderland? They were in League One. That's kind of, yeah, which is wrong. Um, It's a tough game. I think Sunderland, you were in League One, but you could argue the same thing, that you should have, should have been higher. So look at the teams that come up last season and look at how well you're doing in comparison right now where you are on the league table. And that's the story that you need to look at, really. You're higher than us. So we should be going there looking to get something from the game um, by working hard, not because on paper we are a better team. 
you know, you're higher in the league table because you're having a better season currently. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough game for us, I think. Um, going away from home is always always a bit harder. First goal is key. I think I say that every single podcast I go on this season for us because the way that we play, even more so than anyone else, because um, if we score first, we can kind of control. You have to come at us and then maybe it gives us more opportunities because of the way we like to keep the ball. Um, if you guys score first, even though we have had a really good success chasing games this season, again, it's just making life difficult for ourselves and like hard work. You've got to change up half time. It's just, yeah, it, it it's always easier when you score first. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but with our style of football, we can just control it so much better from the lead. And we, we seem to not then make as many mistakes if we can get that our first goal. So, but it would definitely be tough going up there. And obviously you've got a big ground and, um, might be a little bit uh, atmospheric, which is obviously nice for the home fans and the home the home home players. I hope so. Um, Long journey though. Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly is. But Swansea, um, I haven't been myself, but I have had on good authority that Swansea is actually the best away day in the championship. So if you don't get promoted this season, you have got that trophy, and I've been told that yeah. by multiple different people. So I'm glad um, you all enjoy coming down here. It's, uh, it's a good thing to you. It is an absolute belter. Um, it just is a quite a distance from Scotland for myself, but I'm sure I'll get there at one. Yeah, day. I got um Lee who does the podcast with me, he's going to the game actually. He's uh he's got a friend that's moved from Swansea to Sunderland, so has kind of become an adopted Sunderland fan. I think it was for the missus. Um so they decided to go move there rather than who come here. Maybe you could I don't know, one of them pulled the short straw, but um <laughs> anyway, so they go up there sometimes quite regular actually, because or usually they try and pick one of the games up there as an excuse to go up and have a weekend and see them, catch up, because obviously they don't see them now. So they usually go to Sunderland since you've uh, been been up. And yeah, so I'm sure you're all about it from him. I don't know how they're getting there. I think they drive in, so it's quite a long... Sometimes they fly, though, so it's not too bad when you fly. I was going to say, can you remember... Now, I've got the benefit of Google here, and I very rarely do this, but it felt like it's been a while since Sunderland played Swansea at the Stadium of Light. So I thought, I'll have a look, just in case anything interesting there. There is, but not in terms of result, probably more the people on the pitch. But can you remember the score, first and foremost? Where was it? Would it have been like 2016? 2017, 13th oh, of close. May. We were already close. relegated at that okay. point. Oh, no, I do know. I think that's what the year we went down. We went down together, didn't we? Was it the same year? When Lion? We yeah, it must have been. It must have been. I got a feeling... Because we had to beat like Stoke and maybe even you guys, you know, Stoke and Southampton it was, and we completely bottled it that season. That's where we went down. Uh, we had it in our own hands. But I would, I, I, I'm going to say Andre Ayew and Jordan Ayew maybe played for us. Cl- yes, correct. Uh, Jordan Ayew was definitely playing. Andrew was not. I think he had transferred to West Ham by that point. Uh, we got him back in the last season. Maybe I'm getting the seasons mixed up. 2017, you're saying, yeah? You finished 15th, I've just checked. Ah, uh, okay, so it's the season before. Sorry, my, I should have known that <laughs> off the top of my head. Anyway, okay, so with the previous season, that's fine. Um, so that would be Paul Clement, maybe? I think so, no, actually. No, 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 not Paul. Do you know what? There were so many managed manage changes around there. It always merges into one. It was either Clement or... No, I think it was Clement. He saved us that season. Okay, so let's say... Um, was Laurenti up top? Laurentiis scored. Yeah? Yeah. So Fabianski would have been in goals. You would have had Kyle Norton on right back. Also scored, Kyle Norton. Oh, I remember that, actually. 
he like he was like he turned and just hit the screamer. Yeah, um, correct. Center backs might have been Fernandez. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he might. He, I think he liked to play five at the back at that time. So Van der Horn. He had four at the back. There, or four at the back. Fernandez was it Van der Horn? It was Alfie Mawson. Oh, Alfie Mawson, of course. I was I was going to say as in with the third, but um, okay, left back would be Olson. Yes. Midfield, Carroll. Yes. Uh, Fur. No. Might have been on the bench. Um, he was. Britain. Yes. Sigurdsson. Yes. We said AU, so there's one more. Wing you, said Routledge. Le- you said Laurenti as well, so it's a midfielder. A midfielder? No Routledge then? Nope. Midfielder, sure. The most interesting one in terms of the context of this conversation, probably. Has he played for both teams? But... He certainly has. Oh, why Why can I not remember <laughs> this? <laughs> of course I would forget the artists. Oh, I don't know. I guess my mind's gone blank there. I'm thinking of a bunch of midfielders in my head and you're going to tell me and I'm going to be like, oh, of course. He sung young. He? Oh, yeah, he went on loan, didn't he? And scarily, Sunderland's team that day had uh, England's current number one, Jordan Pickford in goal, John O'Shea, Jason Denier, Jermaine Defoe, Barini, Larson. When you say the names, it's quite a good lineup. Barini, he played for both as well. Yeah, yeah, so he did, so he did, yes. And I was looking back and I'm thinking, bloody hell, there's some players there. But that was the season we went down horribly and they were all absolutely awful because David Moyes was the manager. Um, I've got quite close to my predictions recently. Um, I actually got my second one right, I think, the other week with uh, Blackpool and I was one goal out last week. So I'm going to go with a very safe and try and keep my record going here, a safe 1-1. I was going to say a draw as well, but I was going to go 2 all. Because I would not be surprised if we have to come back from behind again and just snatch a point because it just seems to be what we like to do. It's happened at the stadium like a few times this season as well. We've had 2-0 against Burnley, 4-2, 2-0 against QPR three minutes ago, 2-2. So it's it's viable and it's possible. But I'm going to go safe and say 1-1. But Luke, before I let you go, obviously um, this was something I kept forgetting to do last year and I am going to remember to do it this year. I think a lot of Sunderland fans find it really interesting when you get the opposition viewpoint after the game as well as before the game. Where can we find obviously your stuff, which is fantastic? If I don't, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me saying so myself. Thank you very much. Um, um, but yeah, you can well just type in Swan's Cast on YouTube. That's uh, where we put all of our stuff goes on there. Our podcast on Spotify. So again, type Swan's Cast and you get the podcast. But YouTube, we do like this sort of thing where it's a match preview. Well, obviously you're coming on. Um, after this now, so we'll do the sim- similar sort of thing from your perspective. Uh, so they're on YouTube, but on Twitter as well, we most engage in, in terms of um, talking to the other fans and stuff like that. So probably they're the main places. Um, yeah, so if you want to hear the thoughts after the game, it'll probably be like ne- the, the podcast from the week after the match. Perfect. Luke, thanks very much as always. Great to chat to you. And we'll be chatting further on your podcast just now. But for the listeners, we'll wish you a pleasant goodbye. Um, And no luck on Saturday, as always, as expected, as we always do. (laughs) Well, yeah, so long, sad travels, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. well, I'll go with that one. That would have been so much better than just saying no luck. Thanks, babe. (laughs) That's all right. No worries. Cheers.